Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Okay, you all know why you're here. NBC had such a big success with the live version of Sound of Music starring Carrie Underwood that we've decided to do a new version of the live Peter Pan with Mary Martin. But not with Mary Martin this time, so we're auditioning some of you for the big roles. Okay, who's first up? Oh, my name is Sarah Palin, and even though I'll be a real busy with my new show, you know all about it on the Sportsman's Channel. Amazing America with Sarah Palin. You betcha, but I can be Peter Pan. I'm real comfortable swinging on a vine, living in a treehouse, talking to gorillas in their own language. Yeah, that's Tarzan. This is Peter Pan. He wears green. Oh, the big guy who's always talking to the little pea? Robin from the rich and giving to the poor? No, those are the Jolly Green Giant and Robin Hood. This is the boy who sings I'll Never Grow Up. Oh, you mean Levi Johnston. I think he's making pornos now. Uh, Could we see our next auditioner? I think this is for Captain Hook, so let's hear you be scary. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Who's talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Are you on the shutter for you real quick? L-O-B. Okay, let's take a ten-minute break. Meanwhile, today on The Nose, casting Peter Pan, deporting Justin Bieber, photoshopping Lena Dunham, and regular shopping with Maureen McDonald. And now he's trying out for the role of Nana in a two-person dog suit with Nicolas Cage, Colin McEnroe. Yeah, the question is, who's going to be the back part of the dog? Me or Nick Cage? Uh, anyway, so yeah, here's where we're talking about the, all those topics today. We will get through them. I promise with me from Trinity College is Luis Figueroa. From the Mark Twain house uh, is Jacques Lamar. And from The Cut, a magazine exploiting and something and celebrating the absurdity of Connecticut. Yeah, I don't, I don't know even know what it is. Like, it's you know, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can, anyway, if you can find it, it's The Cut Mag, I think, at WordPress.com. And uh, there is currently, speaking of Levi Johnston, uh, a, a graph uh, there on the cover uh, showing that uh, during the cold snaps, Connecticut uh, people do actually. <laughs> Actually, download more pornography. Um, <laughs> hard statistics. Anyway, almost as much as Florida. <laughs> Teresa Kramer. I don't think I even said her name, but it was, it was a long intro. All right, so we have a lot of things to talk about, and we do want to begin. And by the way, as we go along, uh, do feel free to call in or tweet us. Greg Hill's our tweet master. Follow us at WNPR Colin. That way, you get all the tweets. Uh, and uh, Greg is tweeting right now, so you can tweet back at him. And what else? Uh, and you can call us at 860-275-7266. And don't wait till the end of the topic because we're going to we'll switch topics very fast here today. So uh, if something strikes your fancy, call in right away, even if your thought is not completely formed. 860-275-7266. We are going to begin with um, this plan by NBC. They had a tremendous success uh, last December with um, restaging, doing a live Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood uh, in the Julie Andrews role and in the Christopher Plummer role, the guy who's the vampire in True Blood, Um, which I didn't figure out. I actually watched some of it. I didn't realize it was him. But uh, anyway, big success. Who knows why? Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) such a big success that they want to do it again. And one of the properties they, they, they seized on, the property they seized on, is something that's already been done that way, and that is Peter Pan. It's actually been done that way more than 
than once, but most famously, of course, by Mary Martin uh, as Peter Pan with the great Cyril Richard as Captain Hook. Uh, and uh, that was back in, I believe, 1950, March 7th, 1955. It actually was a Broadway property. It is, I think uh, my fellow uh, theater maven uh, Jacques Lamar would agree with me, full of great songs. There's a whole bunch of St uh, Julie Stein, Betty Comden, Adolf Green songs kind of piled on top of some of the original songs that were written by Mark Charlop and, and Carol Lee. So it's I Won't Grow Up and, and I Got a Crow and I'm Flying and Captain Hook's Waltz and uh, there's some other songs that don't work quite as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about those. There's some Native American uh, things which may have to be tweaked a little bit. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how Ugo Ugo Wigwam is going to go over um, uh, these days. But anyway, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a show and a show a lot of people connect to. The question is, who do you have as Peter Pan? And for that matter, who do you have as Captain Hook? So, Jacques, this is sometimes called dream casting, right? Yes, I love dream casting. Yeah. So have you figured this one out? Uh, well, you just hit me with the with the Captain Hook, so yeah. I'm I'm puzzling a I've, little bit. I've over that solved one. the Captain Hook. Although, I know, although there, although we had, you mentioned another possibility, which is Tim Curry and Tim Curry, who's pre Tim Curry and Johnny Depp are already pre-tested as pirates. We you know, we yes. know they can be pirates. Yes, I don't. We we also know that Johnny Depp can can't sing. sing. Well, no, Johnny Depp cannot sing. We also saw Sweeney Todd. He cannot sing. He can carry a tune. <laughs> he can carry a tune. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, as I was sitting here, I'm like, boy, I need to come up with – because someone uh, – you know, the, the traditional thing is to cast a woman, mm -hmm. but you don't have to do that. No. You know? And so – Well, uh, you had well, one pretty good idea ripped from today's headlines. Oh, but Justin Bieber? Yeah. Yes. That's what I was going to suggest that too, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I – he's too soiled now. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Peter Pan has to be someone really special. No, but wait a minute. Did, did, didn't – Peter Pan said that he didn't want to grow up. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I guess that applies to Justin Bieber. Also, oh, I know. But also, you want kids to watch this and feel safe. Could also be jo <laughs> Could also be Joan Rivers. She doesn't want to grow up either. This is true. Got a lot of work. <laughs> She'd to actually be a good Captain Hook. <laughs> She'd be a good Captain Hook. Uh, or a good Nana, for that matter. Um, I was just thinking Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe would be an interesting Peter Pan. We know he can sing and dance. He yep. did. A, he's done Broadway. He's a charmer. He's so associated with something else, though. I mean, could you get over him as Harry Potter and accept him as Peter Pan? I don't know. I think well, you should only be allowed to do one of those iconic things. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask about that because I've never gotten into Harry Potter, so I really don't care no what, what else is Have you ever gotten into Peter Pan? No, no, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm here, but I may now. I we, may we have now. to acknowledge the fact that Luis, uh, mm -hmm. uh, your Puerto Rican childhood did not really did not include, include. I mean, my Puerto Rican childhood included Batman and Robin and Superman and all kinds of American things, and but n at least for me, not Peter Pan. So um, I was trying to say, okay, what what happened with Peter Pan? What's the story with Peter Pan? I know, just just a little thing that flies that is a little tiny, uh, <laughs> and he said that he didn't want to Tinkerbell. That's, that's the Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Um, Tinkerbell does not appear in the music. So I actually put on well, Facebook this. Yeah. I put on Facebook this morning that I'm on the intriguing topics for today's notes. There was going to be some that would make me fail a citizenship test, even if my life depended on it. And this is one of them. <laughs> um, so I have a question for Jack, for Colin, for Teresa. Uh, why is usually Peter Pan cast uh, with a, a woman playing a role? Well, there are lots of very good reasons for this, but this allows me to tell very quickly a story which will humiliate my son, except that he's in class right now. Uh, so when my son was four years old, uh, he had uh, he invented his own word for penis, and it was bulla. 
<laughs> and that's what he referred to. I mean, despite our efforts as conscientious 1990s parents to try to treat, teach him all the right anatomical words, he invented the word bulla. Uh, and so uh, men have uh, bullas, and he would say, and ladies have something else. Um, so uh, he and I were watching, we had the video of the VHS of uh, this wonderful Mary Martin Peter Pan, which we watched many times. Uh, and we were watching it one day, and my son was four, and he's looking, and he's looking, and he's looking more fixedly at the screen. And he fin- finally says to me, and he had kind of a little stammer back in those days. He said, does Peter Pan have a bulla? Uh, he's looking at Mary Martin, and I didn't really know how to answer that question. I said, I don't know. What do you think? And he looked at Mary Martin a little while longer, and he went, Peter Pan has something else. But I mean, I think the real question is you need somebody who can sing those songs, you know, and and make the whole thing work. Uh, I think the thinking back in 1955 was maybe that was going to be too tough for a kid, plus they were going to have to put the kid on wires. So, like, if the kid crashed or something. (laughs) Might be a hard thing to explain to his parents. And and the other thing was they were looking for a star vehicle for Mary Martin. I mean, Mary Martin was a big star already at the time, and they just knew on Broadway, this was sort of Spider-Man turn off the dark in 1955. You know, (laughs) they knew it was going to work if if it had a big star in it. So essentially because that was a case when that uh, first edition of uh, Peter Pan in the 50s, that everybody, every high school in the country has to repeat the pattern and cast uh, a girl in the role of Peter Pan. Yeah, it's been subsequently done with Mia Farrow, very appropriately, <laughs> opposite Danny Kaye in the 1970s. And, of course, of course, Kathy Rigby, the famous gymnast, toured and toured and toured with this. Uh, as I think she launched it on Broadway, Jacques, and then just did a keeps, national it, tour. It, it, keeps, it keeps coming back, too. And I, I saw it the last time it was the Bushnell, and it was still, she's still amazing. Yeah, I, I did, too, and I was, I'm knocked out by her. Yeah. Uh, Sandy so, Duncan did it, too. So come on, come on. Pull on your pop culture stuff. Who, who can do this now? Who, who can do it? So we need to pick female and male candidates? or well, I'm not, I'm, I don't make rules here. This okay. is the, you know, it's the nose. You can do anything you want. Um, Actually, why not Selena Gomez for Peter Pan? Did? I was just going to say that because you, you probably because you'd brought her up, but yeah, she, yeah, you'd have to chop off her hair though. Yeah, I, could could Bruno Mars do it? He can sing. Oh. He can dance. Oh, yeah. there's a Puerto Rican He's, Peter Pan. Yeah. The question like is, can he act? Tall. Yes, that was he can. The, that was the question that no one asked. Carrie Underwood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that that role requires more acting than Peter Pan. Peter Pan is pretty. I mean, there's, there aren't a lot of levels to Peter Pan. You're just Peter Pan, basically. Yeah, but you don't want to look like a wall-eyed salmon in yeah. front of the camera. I believe Bruno Mars can do that. Yeah. Um, He's very, I heard someone mention Pink as an, yeah. as an idea. Oh, we she's know, always flying around. What about, yeah. Yeah. What about Miley Cyrus? Miley yeah. Cyrus is another... another see, now she's going to need she an understudy. Can, she can act. Yeah. Uh, if you want to chime in with twerking, this, you want to... Instead but she of again, flying, he would be twerking? Yeah. She again strikes <laughs> yeah, me as too right. dirty. No twerking for Peter Pan. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like Miley Cyrus is too soiled. Through no fault of anybody but herself. To be, she, can't, she lacks the innocence that is intrinsic to Peter Pan. Uh, but... But Pink, I think, on the other hand, I don't know. know if I'd call Pink innocent. No, she's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. But she's tomboyish, yeah. and, and her and language leaves something to be desired mm-hmm. at times. But yeah, she is tomboyish, and mm-hmm. we've seen her do aerial acts already. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you want to cast Peter Pan, it's only going to be another few minutes that we'll be talking about this. Eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Maybe one of the guys from uh, One Direction or something like that, because I feel like part of the success of this is to get a giant star. Oh, yeah. No one really cares if they're good; they just like them, so they tune in to watch it. So yeah. that certainly I, was I, the carry. It, <laughs> it has to be singers, right? 
You've got to be able to sing. This actually, the, that's the one. Thing. I don't know. I don't know if Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman knows how to sing, but he would be a great Captain Hook for me. Well, the, the, the I have I have the answer for Captain Hook. Uh, at least I think I have the answer. Although I think Tim Curry is a great suggestion too, because we know that Tim Curry can sing and he can dance mm-hmm. and he's fabulous and he's even been a pirate in Muppet Treasure Island. I still think the right answer is Christopher Walken, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we know that Christopher Walken started out in, in musicals. He was actually a chorus boy, right, in, in musicals, and he was in Broadway mm-hmm. musicals. In of course, we know from Pennies from, he- from Pennies from Heaven, he can really sing and dance, and of course, he sings and dances a little bit in Hairspray, less demandingly. Um, I th- I had two thoughts sitting yeah. here. One is Hugh Jackman, yeah, uh, and the other is Jack Black. Ooh, Jack those Black. are both good. Yeah. Those are both good. That'd be fun. I'm sticking with Chris. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking for Peter Pan, maybe one of Will Smith's various children, because they can sing, they can act. They're also pretty small. Various <laughs> children? Yeah. Yeah. I love other children. How many, yeah. how many paternity suits are I behind? Well, yeah. no, there's, there's uh, Willow, who's the really famous Does one. He, then there's the one that's in all the movies, the Jayden. boy, Jaden. They could maybe add Whip My Hair as a song, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, just drop that in, as, you know. Uh, Willow was supposed to be doing the remake of Annie, and then suddenly oh, they got rid of her, and it was it's the um, the girl was nominated for an Oscar two years ago. Um, Q and oh yeah, yeah. yeah. oh Benjamin Wallace, Benjamin Wallace, yeah, yeah, she's supposed to be doing it. Um, all right, let's grab a quick call from Patrice in West Hartford. Hi, hi. Well, you know, I think that while you're talking about various uh, performers, you have to figure that Peter Pan, him or herself, really carries the show in terms of both the acting and the singing. And the singing is in the, like, mezzo-alto range. Mm-hmm. So if it's a uh, male, it has to be a really high tenor. Of course, I suppose these days they'll switch everything around for anybody who's a star. They can fix it in post, as they say now. <laughs> yeah, what about who's, um, oh, who's the one in everything, the Hunger Games girl? Jennifer, Jennifer, what, Jennifer Lawrence? Oh, okay. Yeah. Do we know that Jennifer Lawrence can sing? I don't know. No. Something right. tells me she's busy, though. Yeah, she's busy. Yeah. She doesn't need to. <laughs> she can do everything. It has to be very, very young, though. You know, if it's a female, it has to be, like, Practically pre-pubescent. Mary Martin was menopausal. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Kathy Rigby is older than Methuselah right? now. Yeah, I'm afraid they're going to give it to Carrie Underwood, don't you think? Well, no, I think that they're not going to go drink it that well again. I mean, as as dumb and predictable as uh, network executives are, you kind of think that they at least could go down to a new watering hole. But uh, they kept saying that's why they got her because she had this built-in audience. Right. Who has that in the heartland, well, you know. Yeah, but Carrie Underwood is not the only person in America with a following. I mean, there there are other people. Clay Aiken. <laughs> Clay Aiken, that's perfect. <laughs> oh, that's such a bad idea. I hope they do it. Such a really terrible idea that that I, I hope it's hope that they will actually be do Dr. Hook. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or Doctor Hook. Hook I like Doctor Hook. Doctor Hook could be Captain Hook. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, we are almost out of time with this, unless somebody's. Although the board is getting full with people with suggestions, maybe we'll give it another second. Although, I mean, while they are getting ready to talk about this, maybe we can fuse. I mean, Justin Bieber is. If you weren't, do you? Do you you really do think that Justin Bieber, because of urinating in uh, pu- pu- public buckets and uh, drag racing and getting arrested for DUI and monkey smuggling, one of his... And undoubtedly oh, yeah. about to go into rehab. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Peter Pan has a rehab case. I think that that <laughs> is the updating, that's the updating of the story for the 21st mm-hmm. century. Yeah. And it would speak to a lot of people. It would also be a multicultural uh, Peter Pan in a way because he's Canadian and uh, there's the whole issue of the, the politics of immigration because... He might not be deported because he's wealthy. Otherwise, you know, people who are arrested like him, 
They they face the, probably deportation without a lawyer and being in detention for a long time. But honestly, when I thought about this and when we were exchanging emails, I thought, why not? He's tiny. He's like, kind of like a Peter <laughs> Panish kind of character. He can fly. And he can sing and he can dance. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, he's not a bad choice except he, that, yeah. And they clearly don't care if it's good, right? Like that, <laughs> as long as people watch it, they don't care if it's good because the other one he's wasn't audience, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, everyone would watch it if, like, a drunk Justin Bieber I was going to show up. Justin Bieber as Peter Pan on NBC will break the Super Bowl audience right Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, they did say in the original New York Times article about this, which ran uh, last Monday, that they had a dream guest. There was one person in particular that really? they, they had a piece of dream casting in mind, and they were pursuing what that was. And, and, and that was before the arrest, uh, the, the latest incident, of course. And just to re- reiterate, just so what Justin Bieber's got on his rap sheet these days is what? He's got egging a neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. He's got graffiti tagging a hotel in Australia, the ex- exterior of the hotel where he was staying. Are we transitioning here, Colin? We are transitioning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that I'm following the yeah. segue. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he's got graffiti tagging. He's got monkey smuggling. And I feel like the monkey smuggling has gone underreported. He also abandoned that monkey in, in Germany. In he Munich. just left it there. Yeah, he never well, went back That's because he, he had this pet monkey with him, but it had, didn't have its shots. <laughs> it didn't have its shots. It didn't have, and but he had the monkey in Germany, and it didn't have its papers. Where mm-hmm. are your papers? You know, yeah. you don't want to do that to a monkey in Germany, of all places. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm in tears here with the monkey story. <laughs> yeah, so he just left he left the monkey in Germany mm-hmm. and, and, and he's not paying for its upkeep or anything like that. So it's like a he's a deadbeat monkey owner. Um, yeah. And so there's <laughs> all Wasn't of he that. he also in a Brazilian whorehouse? There was a Brazilian something whorehouse, like something yeah. along those lines. Uh, so what happens to people like him who, who basically uh, the business of music in this case makes them grow up too soon, too early, too, a ton of money before they can even you know, uh, have a sense of themselves in life and they're thrown into this turmoil and you, and the, the sister then spits them out on the other end of the machine. Uh, some of you um, sent in an email as we were preparing for the show the last couple of days about another uh, character. Corey Haim. Yes, and I read about this. And, and you know, there was back in the day was... Um, What's the, the guy? Pro- probably another thing that didn't penetrate your Puerto Rican upbringing was Corey Haim, right? Yeah, def- absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is like, this is part of your naturalization. I mean, I, 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 there's one that I know, of, but now I'm, you know, I'm getting old, so I forgot the name now. The rebel without a cause was the guy in the fifties. James, James Dean. Dean. James Dean is another example. So, what is in the psychology of human beings that get rich and famous in such an early age, and they sometimes cannot handle these things? Well, I mean, another way to ask that question, I think, is. You know, I mean, so so I, we've enumerated all of the crimes of Justin Bieber and just to sort of bring you up to date. If you don't follow this kind of thing, most recently he was arrested uh, down in Miami Beach. By the way, when they arrest you in Miami, Miami Beach and you're famous, they tweet your photo. The, po- <laughs> the, the police department's account has a Twitter account and they tweet your mugshot, uh, which seems wrong. Somehow. But I mean, Justin uh, Bieber was so either drunk or stoned when they or, took the mugshot or both that yeah. uh, he was laughing. Yes. So uh, he was drag racing. He did not actually have a valid driver's license. Uh, and uh, there does appear to be some uh, chemically induced impairment uh, on top of all that. So this is maybe the most serious thing that he has ever faced. And as Luis was alluding to e- earlier, he is here on a visa. Uh, and and uh, it said visa. Um, let's see if I can find the exact language for it. Uh, it cites his 
uh, well, this is sort of boilerplate for a visa of this kind, uh, extraordinary ability in the sciences, arts, education, business, or athletics. So he's here on a special visa because mm-hmm. of his extraordinary ability. Is it called ability. like an extraordinary Fortality. alien? Yeah. Isn't that yeah, what yeah, it's? Yeah. Yes, no, but literally I think it's called like an extraordinary it's alien. It's extraordinary alien clause. Yep. Um, and remember that, uh, of course, Richard, Lin- Richard Nixon uh, tried to report to deport John Lennon for much less. Um, <laughs> But, you know, as, as, as some writers have pointed out, if he were black or Puerto Rican or a, a Middle Eastern descent or something, the deportation might be starting right now. He's got enough now piled up on Plenty. his record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, – on the other – but the other way to look at it is, you know, pop stars, you know, some, as another writer pointed out, this is like – if you add up everything that Justin Bieber's ever done, it's like an average morning for Keith Richards. Uh, well, that and Alabama. just a 19-year-old kid. Like, if he was a 19-year-old kid in a frat house somewhere, mm-hmm. none of you know he wouldn't have a Lamborghini to be racing in. But right. so he'd be, well, you know, not, racing eh? his crappy Civic or something. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, but it's. I mean, he's a 19-year-old boy who gets into trouble. Like, wow. If yeah. you, <laughs> if you probably dated guys who peed in buckets in restaurants <laughs> and stuff like that at 19, right? Uh, at 19, no. My boyfriend was not a public urinator. Right. Yeah. Now imagine, That's imagine something you could be very proud of. Yes. I mean, someone. To, I, I, I mean, I'm so behind the times sometimes on these pop culture things. <laughs> I try to keep up. You knew who Justin Bieber was dating. Ah, uh, yes, Selena Gomez, because I like Selena Gomez. She's a good pop singer for me for dancing and so on. Um, but if he had been Selena Gomez, yeah, who was getting into all this trouble, right? Uh, the the attitude of people would be different. Not that it's like, oh, it's a bad boy or whatever. It would be something like, oh, she's the Mexican and so on. Even though she's an American, unlike him. Um, so I I'm, I'm still still trying to think what we can get out of the story of Justin Bieber that could be like a parable for something else. That's that's what I'm trying to to get at. Uh, I'm not being very successful, but I'll be I mean, maybe in a minute. There's a long history of. Mm-hmm. Child stars having you know these kind of tragic trajectories, the entire and cast of different strokes. Yeah, yeah. and I you know and, and I most, most recently a cast <laughs> member of Glee. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, I mean that ends tragically. Yeah, um, and so I was at, I was sitting there trying to think of like all right, who's an example of one that just did not go completely off the rails? And this circles back to Peter Pan, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Ricky, you know another yeah. one, Ricky Martin. Yeah, no, there, I, and I think the other key is, you know, we're, we're very used to rock and rollers and, and pop stars who are edgy and transgressive and get in a lot of trouble, whether it is Keith Richards or Ozzy Osbourne or Jim Morrison or whoever. Um, it, on the other hand, um, most of them aren't pitched quite at the same kind of preteen, teeny bopper um, demographic. I, I think you're held to different standards sometimes if your audience is. I mean, the people who were, you know, listening to the Rolling Stones pretty much from the get-go were old enough to get into some of the same kinds of trouble that the Rolling Stones got into, whereas Justin Bieber has courted, you know, a much younger audience, and so maybe he gets held to a different set of standards for that reason. Well, I think, you you know, if you look at people like Britney Spears, um, who had, you know, I mean, she, she kind of came out of the, you know, as, as making her debut as a pop star, came out, you know, sexualized right away. Um, but if you look at, at a... Someone like like Miley Cyrus, mm-hmm. where they, it's like all of a sudden you have to, you know, consciously show that you're grown up and that you're tough in some some form or fashion. And there are people who are capable of making that transition a bit better than others. Miley Cyrus maybe being an example of that. But you know, I think, you know, he had a very 
squeaky clean pop image, and I think he's trying to act a little gangsta now. And, <laughs> and L- little gangsta pretty well describes it. And we're gonna yeah. have to stop right there. We have other things we want to talk about. Uh, all of them, not all of them. We'll be talking about the former governor of Virginia in the next segment. But first, we'll be talking about another pop culture kerfuffle: the photoshopping of Lena Dunham. All of the awful things that have happened And I won't grow up I'll never grow up I'll never grow up again Not me Not I All right, we're back. Uh, Teresa Kramer, Jacques Lamar, Luis Figueroa are all here as part of The Nose. Uh, if you believe that the show is unworthy of the standards of public radio, you may email me, Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at WNPR.org. But if you're enjoying yourself, maybe you should follow us on Twitter at WNPR Colin. Uh, all right, so and our phone number as we get into this topic, 860-275-7266. Pre-program it into your phones. We do go faster around the topics. We're going to switch uh, – uh, pop culture tracks a little bit and talk about the photoshopping of of Lena Dunham. She is, of course, is the star and the creator of the HBO hit series Girls. One of the things she does on that series is treat us to many, many, many uh, looks at her body, which uh, is what it is, and, and it's sort of not the svelte or hourglassy uh, thing that, that ordinarily uh, gets exposed in mass media. Uh, but it's her, and she's, you know, she's kind of, in, well, I, well, we'll discuss what it is that she's done. Well, meanwhile, um, Jezebel, the site, which is sort of the feminist part of the Gawker empire, Jezebel.com, uh, has sort of a long-running battle with women's magazines that Photoshop and otherwise tweak pictures of women that they and, and one of the things that they've done in the past is say you know if you can get us the raw photos for any you know cover layouts for these big women's magazines we'd love to show them show people what the model really looked like uh, more like a human being before all the whether it's Kate Upton or whoever before all the tweaking went on whether it's uh, photoshopping or other kinds of digital alteration uh, specifically what they did this time with Lena Dunham's photo layout and cover on Vogue was put up a $10,000 specific bounty. They wanted $10,000 for the unretouched images. They got those images. They ran them. They showed them as kind of a comparison to what Lena uh, looked like uh, in the unre- unretouched uh, uh, images and then what it looked like in the big glossy layout. Um, and this has touched off quite a controversy on a bunch of different levels. But uh, we'll go to a girls fan and spokesman for her own generation, uh, <laughs> Lisa Kramer right now. I mean, what do you make of all this? Well, at first I was kind of, when I saw, when I eventually, I mean, it didn't take long for Jezebel to get the pictures. First yeah. of all, it was like a matter of hours. So I saw them and I was like, they really didn't do a whole heck of a lot to her. And I thought that was more interesting than anything else because she doesn't look wildly different. They kind of, you know, there's one picture where they kind of raise up her neckline so that you don't see her weird, like, armpit flesh. And mm. st- and I would be like, well, if that was me, I would thank them very, very mm. much. But on the other hand, Lena Dunham has made a huge deal about showing herself as she is all the time in really unflattering <laughs> ways. And um, so it's just, I mean, it was interesting. It w- and the fight about it, afterwards because there were other sort of feminist websites who were mad at Jezebel for doing this and then they're fighting amongst themselves and uh, a lot of people lost a lot of sleep over it I guess but uh, (laughs) (laughs) what what, what was the complaint from the feminist websites well well, that they had basically put a bounty on 
Lena Dunham's body and were sort of body shaming her, which was clearly not what they were doing. So it was all very convoluted and strange to me. I didn't really understand. Well, I think one of the questions was, in the past, Mm -hmm. Jezebel has made comparable offers for any photos like this uh, of anybody, anytime somebody's photo is being really retouched for a magazine cover. But the targeting of Lena Dunham, making Mm -hmm. something specific out of her, I think that's something that the feminist websites objected to. It's it's like you have a there's some price that Linda Dunham is being made to pay. Yeah, because the the problem is that uh, for a lot of people uh, she does not conform to the stereotype of what beauty is defined as uh, for a lot of women in the society, and so I can understand the critique of doing that because it's basically targeting her for those reasons. Now I have a question, however, to to kind of like participate here from my own angle is to these two people who are authors here, uh, who have written books or play or playwrights. And, and isn't that the case that when you write a play or you write a book or a uh, newspaper article about somebody, a lot of times you actually retouch that characters, that, that person. Uh, I know historians, for example, who take a character in history and they paint um, not, uh, you know, so critical uh, a way of of that character isn't that the same when that that people do in text as what they're doing in Photoshop here? Isn't that something that has happened all the time? What do people get so upset about this? Stalin used to do it too. He would airbrush people out of the pictures when they fed out of favor under his regime in the Soviet <laughs> Union. I'm not sure so, that's an analogy Vogue would really welcome. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like Stalin. Yeah, Vogue so is just, just like Stalin. Well, there was this sort of larger Photoshop debate that also came up after. Which I thought was sort of more interesting than Lena Dunham herself because there was also this uh, AP photographer who was fired for retouching a picture that he uh, that he sold to the AP. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all he did was take a camera that got into the shot out of the shot in Syria. And they won't work with him anymore. And then um, Airy, this uh, it's like the lingerie offshoot of American Eagle sort of aimed at teenage girls has decided they've launched this campaign where they're using completely unretouched right. photos. And so the the larger conversation about around Photoshop in general is sort of what I'm is coming to like a boiling point and I think that's more interesting well, than I think, Dunham. But I think there's two conversations mm-hmm. w- uh, about that whether we're talking about photoshopping, mm-hmm. retouching, I mean mm-hmm. th- these are all different things and they all have different implications. But um, on the one hand, yes, there's the whole question about accuracy. When are you or are you not taking something that you're representing as true and accurate and, and, and re- real and, uh, in fact, altering it for whatever purposes. So that's one set of questions. To me, the more pressing set of questions, the ones that lie in this story, have to do with expectation and body image. And the argument that gets made is that there really are kind of almost two sets of victims. In fact, Stephen Metcalf said this on, on Slate Culture, Culture Fest uh, the other day. I thought it was a, a brilliant observation that, you know, first of all, women do feel victimized by all this. They are constantly being shown... And, and, and the people around them are being shown completely unrealistic images of women. I mean, it's tough enough to look like the real Kate Upton, but uh, it's even harder to look like this fa- fabulous retouched and re-imagized, digitally altered and improved Kate, Up- Kate Upton. And so, so what does that do to your own self-image that you just fall so far short of this? What Stephen Metcalf said is there's also a group of male victims who are basically told <laughs> this is what women look like, so get well, go get one of these. You know? <laughs> and are therefore in for a life of extreme disappointment. And, and to me, that, that's what's 
at large here, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that argument that's that that and that Lena Dunham, I think, maybe was seen by a lot of people as someone who would lead a charge against that whole tide of unrealistic expectations. Uh, and so to see her so fabulously babed up here in various ways, I mean, actually, the hair and makeup work really helped a lot. I mean, I, 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 honestly, I didn't know who she was uh, 48 hours ago. Didn't know about the show. So I went and Googled. Um, who, who, is, who is she? And then I also searched in Google for images. And I was like, wait a minute. She doesn't need a Photoshop. Mm. And all of a sudden I said, I found it. she's quite an attractive woman. I mean, uh, they, there's no need for any Photoshopping her. They yeah. Photoshop supermodels on mm-hmm. those things. You know, right. they'll have a zit or yeah. whatever. I mean, I think with Vogue, it's, it's not National Geographic. Mm-hmm. They're selling uh, a a fantasy. They're selling an idealized look at uh, at femininity, and I think Lena Dunham going into it, you know, you know, would have been. And she's not squawking about it. No, she's no, she's yeah. actually. She's probably like, I've never looked so good. Uh, but in, interviewed while in Paris, uh, she said, uh, "No, she didn't have a problem with this. She doesn't quite understand what the problem is." Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if if she's a person, you know, and, and you know, maybe they're confusing. Her character with you know with her, uh, but you know they're people aren't turning to Vogue for a warts and all portrayal of of people. Well, sure. What I think is in, well, so I don't think I, I I personally don't have a problem with Vogue retouching the photos, and in some cases, I mean, it was just putting a pigeon on her head, which mm-hmm. clearly they couldn't get a pigeon to just land on her head. Well, there's like a whole big yeah. conversation about yeah. whether the, they did get the pigeon. Or, or oh, really? Right. <laughs> yeah. But then the then the Jezebel argument, people start getting mad at Jezebel for even putting this bounty on her, which I think is sort of overreacting because, of course, they wanted the Lena Dunham photos because she's put herself out there as this alter image to this. And you can only see the retouched photos of people like Kate Upton, where you're just like, oh, they just made her even skinnier. Yeah. I mean, so what are they doing to real people right. was there's way more interesting. There's an contract, yeah. a compact that people, a lot of people, including people at Jezebel apparently, thought mm-hmm. that Lena Dunham had made with everybody else, which is, I will not participate in this. I, I yes. will, in fact, insist on letting you see the real unvarnished me. And so there's a little kind of sense of betrayal running through the air here. And, include, and since we're talking about senses of betrayal, that'll be our quick segue <laughs> to our final topic. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I know. I feel like a, a, majestic. I feel like the conductor in Thomas the Tank Engine or something. But uh, so um, our last topic is the um, former governor of Virginia, Bob McConnell, uh, who was a uh, rising, rising star. Was a rising, rising star in the Republican Party. I think I think I said McConnell to McDonnell, uh, and until now, he and his wife Maureen have been indicted on 14 counts of corruption uh, in uh, having to do with the acceptance of all kinds of things involving private jets and designer gowns and golf trips and Rolex watches, Louis Vuitton footwear, uh, in exchange for thousands of dollars of gifts, loans, and perks. Uh, in particular, from a guy uh, named Johnny Williams, uh, who is a, a political donor to the McDonalds, but also a guy who. Made May or may not have benefited in the uh, or, or benefited in the form of his dietary supplements company, Star Scientific. Um, so there are a whole bunch of questions about this, and, and it you know will go to um, uh, become a, it has become a criminal case. But the thing that intrigued me, and the, the only thing that we have time to spend on right now, is um, a 
it sort of fits in a little bit with the Lena Dunham story in the sense that a couple of women writers, especially the amazing, wonderful Dahlia Lithwick of Slate, became intrigued by the way that Maureen uh, McDonald is being pulled out of this and kind of showcased as uh, and being called a Lady Macbeth and a whole bunch of other things. That somehow or other her spending and some of the emails uh, of hers that have come out um, about sort of the needs that they have for various kinds of uh, exorbitant things and and uh, and, and lifestyles and the problem they're having with their credit cards and stuff like that. But that's become the symbol of the case. So uh, I don't know. Who wants to, uh, to take this one? Luis, I, I know mean, you've been following I, this. I, 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 to me, believe it or not, one of the best pieces that I've read about this was in the National Journal mm. uh, where they were saying that this is another example of the problem in American politics that in order for you to play the game, you have to have a certain amount of wealth so that um, – you know, if you don't have enough wealth, then you find yourself in a in a predicament, uh, trying to show off with certain kinds of people, rub shoulders with certain kind of people. Um, these individuals, this couple, were facing financial problems even before he became governor, because of the crash of two thousand and eight. Um, so, so the so the critique that I, I think it's not just simply about issue of gender, but it's a broader critique about the state of money in politics in American society. What do you have to pretend that you're doing, and and the, the people you're rubbing off. The New York Times had an article about all these uh, vacations that politicians take mm-hmm. in the Rocky Mountains and other places like in Puerto Rico and the Caribbean and so on, where the lobbyists take them there for these vacations. Uh, and it's actually of, legal. It's a and, it, and it's actually it's a loophole. It's legal. In the case of Virginia, the loophole is that if the gifts were given to the wife of the governor, they didn't have to be reported. So that also creates a, a way of putting her in a spot. So Maureen uh, McDonald, the uh, the former first lady of Virginia, I mean, one of the things that's been uh, quoted in almost every article is this frantic email that she sends uh, to their benefactor. I need to talk to you about the inaugural clothing budget. I need answers. And Bob is screaming about the thousands I'm charging up in credit card debt. We are broke, have an unconscionable amount in credit card debt already. And this inaugural is killing us. I need answers and I need help and I need to get this done. Um, <laughs> So, so what's the laugh line there? It's making you chuckle. Well, I mean, it's just the, the the level of panic over her inaugural gown, and then when you read what she spent on her shopping spree in New York City, it's, you know, it, it's interesting because I went, I I hadn't been following the story, and so I I went online, and it didn't seem like she was necessarily, you know, getting more stripes than he was. You know, it was it was. Uh, you know, it, oftentimes it said, you know, Virginia governor and wife mm-hmm. or mentioned governor, you know, McDonald and wife. And so it's interesting that these people might be saying that she's getting called on the carpet. And then I read the, this one article that kind of pulled out certain certain things. And, you know, I was looking down the list of things that they received and there was obviously a lot of golf stuff um, for him and whatnot. But it, you know, it seemed pretty clear that, you know, her hand was very deeply in the till and selling access to her husband because there was like, you know, if I get the shopping spree, you'll sit next to him at this dinner. Now, I, I would also like to add, there's a little wrinkle on this that not a lot of people comment is that a lot of times she was asking for things that were not for her. Yeah. So it was not like she was, she wanted certain luxury items for herself, which would be the, you know, the, the ultimate sort of vanity. Okay, I want these dresses and purses or whatever. She wanted these expensive things for him, like, for example, the Rolex watch. 
or driving a Ferrari. It seemed um, pretty split. It was it was pretty well divided. Up. Pretty she, well she divided did want up. things for herself. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, I just I, I want to hear what uh, actually I hear what I want to hear what you say first, unless you want to defer to me. I'll which, defer to which you. No first. one has ever done on yeah, the show before. So. No, I will <laughs> bow down and let you go first. Well, I feel like there there is a trope here, and Dahlia Lithwick, I think, um, identifies what it is. First of all, I, back when I was at the Hartford Current, uh, my editor Kiri O'Connor and I used to have a conversation about how, in terms of sort of making a scandal go on and on and on for days and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks uh, in the media, or predicting how far it would go, we thought we could probably develop a, a sort of a wheel, and the, we, it would be one of those wheels that has sort of a pin in the middle of it and a series of concentric circles that and if you lined three or four things up on it you know you'd know that this was going to last for six months and one of the things had to be a cherche la femme in other words uh, a scandal that has no gender angle no interesting woman uh, to it won't last as long we all know that well, people sort of know that Ted Stevens from Alaska spent a lot of money you know fixing up his house but I mean nobody cares about it it's not an interesting story it went away almost instantly because there wasn't anything sexy about it there wasn't a gender part of it and you know these stories get driven forward sometimes if they do have the quote-unquote Lady Macbeth angle or if they do have a Matahari angle, if they have some kind of femme fatale or, or – and, and it's something about our appetite and the media feeding that appetite. And so with this thing, yeah, there are a lot of comparisons to, to Callista Gingrich who also – and now we never – we don't – and it could be just as Luis said that Newt Gingrich was running around charging $50,000 worth of stuff at Tiffany's because he loved Callista so much, not because she demanded it. But you know, famously, she pulled him off the campaign trail and forced him to go on a Greek island cruise and his whole campaign staff quit. Um, these kinds of stories, uh, they're a trope anyway. It's a familiar trope It's a, that, that, that a storyline, a new storyline can be fit into and can exploit in order to keep the public interested, which is the job of the media. All right. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about other times something like this has happened and I, and I keep thinking about Imelda Marcos and why mm. it is people um, – Shoes, you know, focus the on the shoes and, you know, n- not the murder. And <laughs> and um, and then I was thinking about Sarah Palin during her campaign and how everybody was obsessed with her $100,000 suits. And I just kept thinking, like, well, what's John McCain wearing? I'm pretty sure it's not cheap. And people – but He's basically I guess I'm agreeing. The that the, yeah. They are cases on the other, you know, flip the, the gender – uh, equation there. Um, Jerry Ferraro, what basically destroyed her career was her husband, mm-hmm. uh, business affairs. Um, the New York Times article that was criticized in the Slate article had examples also of male spouses that uh, did things like this that ruined the career of their uh, women's spouse. And so uh, it, I understand the critique that that the feminist critique of what of scapegoating the women and so on. I, I you know I, I agree with it, but on the other hand, there are cases like this one where it seems to me that it's pretty the evidence has been shown so far is that she did seek out certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not that it's invented. It's not like in other cases where we don't have the evidence. Well, I think one of the you, you sort of said when you started talking about this was uh, the the idea that they were already in horrible, massive debt before they even got to this point. So, you know, I don't know enough about this to know how far back this goes where one or both of them was demanding and living among their uh, above their means and sort of this very... Very good question because he was attorney general Mm -hmm. before he became governor. uh, And before that, he was a state legislature in Virginia. Uh, we, We don't know. I mean, they said that they have... Very, very large amount of uh, credit card debt alone, 
uh, when he became governor, and that's a lot of the money that she got from this empresario was deposited on the on the bank account in order to pay credit card debt. Uh, I, I'm just going to wrap this up because we have to go. We have to do our endorsements. I do want to say that uh, when I finally am absolutely fired out of journalism for the last time, I am going to go to work in crisis management because I haven't covered so many of these things and having been part of the problem. I think I know what some of the solutions <laughs> That's a good are. Idea. You know, and I, I can like tell you that, that the McDonald's have a few problems. One of them is that they've now retained separate counsel and they may be trying to blame one another. In fact, oh. Bill uh, Curry compared this to the movie The Ref. You you know, where, uh, where the husband and wife are tied to chairs and forced to work things out. because So that's another problem. They, they, they may be about to try to blame one another as much as possible. That's a disaster from the point of view of crisis management because it keeps the story going if you're, in fact, feeding dirt onto the other person. Yes. Um, and in general, what I would tell my clients is don't let your spouse become a story no matter what. No matter what it takes, don't let it happen. Don't let them talk. Uh, you know, John Rowland's problems got worse when Patty Rowland uh, at, at a big event read a was the night before Christmas poem that made fun of the scandal that they were in at that point and taunted one of the reporters who was covering the scandal. <laughs> it got a lot worse then. Chris Dodd worked very hard to keep his wife out of the mortgage problems that, that they were having. There was a whole theory that Jackie had gone out and gotten this mortgage. He would not let that happen. Uh, and I think he did it out of chivalry, but he was also very smart not to do it. You do not want Cherche La Femme on your scandal. All right, we got to take a break. <laughs> go back to the original play, the Macbeths accepted a free microwave oven from their campaign donors. In their defense, haggis at room temperature, I don't even think I need to finish that sentence. Today's show was produced by Colin and me because Betsy Kaplan reported for jury duty today in her Princess Leia costume. Katie Talarski is our executive producer. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and he's our tweet master. Follow us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Danny Kay. For stories, links, web extras, and videos of the Faith Middleton Show staff and Buckskin performing Ugga Wugga Wigwam, visit WNPR.org. We'll be back with The Scramble on Monday. And now, back to Colin. Yeah, The Scramble is our Monday show, which we assemble on deadline based on stuff that we thought was exciting over the weekend. All right, so it's time for endorsements. This is when we uh, tell you about things uh, that we know about or that our guests know about that you may not know about that may make you happy. Um, so I'm going to start over here with Louise because I think I heard Teresa say she wasn't sure what she was going to endorse. <laughs> well, I, so give I'm, more I'm, I am adopting a new policy that there are endorsements and there are plugs, right? Yeah, that's exactly. So plugs are things that we haven't seen or participated in and we are to want to support. Uh, there is a new film opening up and uh, in New York City and Los Angeles uh, tonight. It's called Gloria from Chile by uh, writer-director Sebastián Lelio. Um, that I saw the review in the New York Times this morning and very intriguing, many things about the film that are great, but I endorse <laughs> or plug the idea of people in their 50s, like the characters in the movie, uh, going to a club that is actually targeted for people in their 50s who want to dance. Um, in terms of actual endorsements, uh, because this is a, a topic in the in the news constantly, um, as a former smoker, I want to endorse using e-cigarettes to actually help you quit. I want to do a whole show um, about e-cigarettes. E uh, because you have to come on. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I'll do that because I try all kinds of ways to do it, 
and the only one that worked was that one. And I know there is a great controversy about them. There was an article in the paper about, you know, in, in prisons, for example, they're using them because they are allowing the, 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 some of the, the prisoners, the convicts, to, to use them. And so people are against them because they're supposed to stimulate people to smoke. But I would say in my case, it worked perfectly to quitting, for quitting. All right. Jacques, you're next. Uh, I want to endorse the uh, National Book Award winner of this year, uh, James McBride's book, The Good Lord Bird, which I, I read when I was on vacation. And um, uh, working at the at the Twain House, this is not a plug, uh, I had heard that the book was very Twainy, and in a lot of ways it is. It's very funny. Follows the adventures of a young man who um, is a slave. Uh, this is pre-Civil War, and he has to kind of dress up as a girl to uh, escape detection as he kind of gets handed around to different different folks. But it's very funny, and he, you know, there are characters that get drawn into it, like Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, and it all leads up to um, uh, this this big con conflagration and it's it's really a fun interesting read so i highly recommend the good lord bird Teresa kramer have you composed an endorsement i did i came up with one when we were talking about rock star behavior it reminded me of these videos on youtube of david lee roth and his herding dogs he's apparently really into um herding sheep now and he trains these border collies and travels with them around the globe but also makes videos about it and but says very David Lee Rothian things while doing it. And so he'll be like, the sheep are kind of like hockey fans. Two of them are drunk. You know, one of them screaming at you. The other one has no idea what's going on. And, and they're, they're hilarious. And he loves these dogs very much. All right. Uh, I want to mention that Wolfie is co-hosting a benefit at the Hartford Club this Sunday night. $35 for to, to hear Beat City Beauty's Little Ugly and Caravan of Thieves. Doesn't sound like a Hartford Club lineup somehow. But anyway, Benefit Studio N11 on Pratt Street. Uh, and Wolfie, or whoever's on the board, Wolfie, you can bring up the music right now. This is a local band. I'm going to endorse them. They're called Mob Jack. A lot of people send me their CDs, and some of the CDs are good, and some of them are just maybe good but not my taste, but and some of them are, frankly... A lot of them, frankly, are just not that good. This is, these guys are really good. I don't know anything about them. They recorded this in Windsor. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, you can find out more about them at Mob Jack Music. I think that's sort of mostly what their digital presence is, whether they're on Facebook or Twitter or they, they have a website too. Anyway, the band is Mob Jack. I've actually already forgotten the actual name of the CD. This is the first cut. It's called Dandelions. We'll go out with it. Clapper man could remove our kingly crowns. We are drinking dandelions. We are drinking dandelions. We are drinking dandelions. I'm Kyone Wolf, and as a die-hard Justin Bieber fan, I'm just, I'm worried about him. With all this erratic behavior, he might end up being the mayor of Toronto someday.